Hey everyone! Hello everyone! Happy Easter! We hope you had an amazing time for those that celebrate these festivities. For others that don't, happy uh, public holiday! <laughs> so it's good to have time off. Yeah, we've been away traveling around Sydney. Yeah, it was amazing. We actually went there to celebrate the release of this podcast. That's my excuse. <laughs> and just some well-earned time off, I think. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Thank you so much. Sydney for just providing those good sceneries, good food, and good memes with my bebe. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we wanted to also give a massive thanks to our listeners for their feedback, their suggestions, and just for listening to us, guys. It's it's um it's a big thing for us. So yeah, thank you. You don't know how much how like how far it goes. So thank you guys so much. Yes, exactly. On that note, we wanted to introduce this new section of our podcast. Yeah, which came from feedback received from one of our viewers. So if you're listening, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but it was brought to our attention that since we're speaking about STEM fems, we're going to call that females in STEM, STEM fems. Do you think that will catch on? Yeah, I reckon. I think it's fine. As STEM fems, uh, we, and we talked about a lot of, you know, in the first couple of episodes, how representation was a big deal for us and also how it's a big deal for young up-and-coming females in STEM, that we thought it would be a good idea to introduce one new STEM fem every week. Yeah, that's right. So today we have Elisa Leonida Sanfirescu. I hope I'm saying her name properly and apologies for those Romanians that are listening if it's not the right pronunciation. So that's a giveaway where she's from. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Sauce. No, but um, she was born in 1887 in Romania and was arguably one of the first female engineers in the world. So what a good way to start our first segment of this with one of the first in the world. Yeah, that's right. So let's go through her journey as a student. So she enrolled herself at the Berlin's Rogel Technical Academy and she actually undertook this degree for three years. So back on the day, apparently it was shorter. No idea how they manage because it's a full-on degree. And yeah, it only took them three years. But we have to highlight that she was actually um, in Germany because when she applied in Bucharest, she was rejected because she was a female. Sad. But she never gave up and she kept trying and she went to Germany and finished her chemical engineering degree. Yeah, so she was quite pivotal in having to uh, come up with new techniques for how to analyze and look at new minerals and like coal and copper sulfate. Yeah. Very interesting work. Thank you so much, Elisa, for your contribution uh, for women like them, uh, the ones that actually had to go through all those tough times. Uh, We have made such a good progress and we obviously have a lot of work to um, continue doing. But But it's all been possible to get to this level just because of them paving the way and making this, you know, this whole journey possible. Because like even though she had to move countries to be able to study the, the, the role in engineering that she aspired. Yeah unfortunate at the time but doing stuff like that has allowed women to be part of the industry and to continue uh work for the dreams actually yes good on her like she actually moved countries to do this like nothing has stopped her she was like in the 1800s she was like i i was rejected who cares i'm gonna go to another country and you people um gonna gonna watch me follow my dreams yeah and let's just take a minute to bow down to her badassness yes Agreed. 
Anyway, so today's subject, really important and really just, we're all passionate about this in this table here today, identity and how sometimes over-identifying with what we do with our role description is not as healthy as we thought. Yeah, so it can have some pretty uh, detrimental, detrimental side effects that we will get to later on. But in order to get to the crux of why why this is even an issue because you might be wondering what the hell are you on about Mm -hmm. i think it's important that we will first go through what is identity yes so identity is the unique set of characteristics that can be used to identify a person as themselves and no one else so basically identity is what makes us us um and this is actually a very deep question the one about who am i even philosophers thought that it was hard and really interesting um but i get it we we want to know who we are in order to find out what to do with ourselves and literally, so on. It's <laughs> existential crisis 101. Like that is literally the, the, the crux of existence is split into two. Who are we and where are we going? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But without getting too deep into the philosophy of it all, uh, we're hoping to just be able to identify what per- the two aspects of identity really are. Yeah, so we have personal identity, which is actually the perception that we have about ourselves and is shaped by factors that we can control, such as like the decisions we make, our interests, our belief systems, but also things that we cannot control, like for example, our ethnicity, nationality and our family. And then we have the social identity, which is pretty much how other people perceive us and what they think about us. And obviously we can't change that. We have a little bit of power over it because it essentially comes from successes in a group setting, like which is essentially your work or your hobbies. And that's, you know, your monetary rewards or your um, contribution in like a workplace to projects, that sort of thing. So we can't completely change how people perceive us, but we can definitely influence whether that's generally positive or generally negative. Yeah, 100%, depending on how we behave. (laughs) Anyway, so our identity is actually always changing. It's dynamic and there's a few philosophical theories that can help us sort of like understand um, the word itself or like what it means and blah, blah, blah. So um, we have the theories like the body theory and memory theory. So the body theory says that we are the same person because we're represented by the, the same body. Um, so sameness of body. Yeah, so throughout our life, we generally, unless you have some Freaky Friday shit going on, yeah. we generally have the same body from when we're born to when we die. Yeah, and then we have the memory theory, which is based on what we remember. So let's say that I remember everything that I did today, tomorrow, so then, therefore, I'm the same person. But obviously, our memories are a little bit, you know... Sketchy. Yeah. We don't usually remember things like they actually happen. Or we sometimes don't even remember when we do um, the but following week. in a week. general sense, your yeah. memories from when you were a child, growing up and whatever, they define who you are and how you generally relate to things. So it's a bit like your psychological identity. Yeah, like your conscious sort of thing, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. That's yeah. what they meant. Pretty much. But again philosophical takes are a little bit more complex and we just want to pretty much go uh, in a very superficial level. This is why it's dynamic because our body goes through different changes and our psychology goes through different changes as we grow, we meet new people, travel new places, learn new interests, pick up different languages. You're constantly evolving as a person, which means your identity is also evolving with you. Yeah, Yeah. It's always, it's like, 
I feel like the more you go through different situations and different experiences, then you you sort of like become a new person. Yeah. So the reason why this is important and you must be wondering why have I signed up for like a philosophical lesson Mm -hmm. is because your personal identity and your social identity are known to contributes to your self-esteem. Literally. So that's what we were talking about before, like your sense of accomplishment in your personal and work sense, whether that's your personal relationships or your uh, status and wealth and everything at work that you contribute, little successes, whether your projects went well or not, all of that generally goes on to pretty much become your whole self-esteem. Yeah, so if you have been wondering what the hell is that I'm feeling a little bit sad every time that my boss says something about what I've done, it's because sometimes we tend to over-identify with what we do, the skills that we work on, and sometimes even our relationships. So, But mostly work. And I think that's probably yeah. because outside of our homes, the most amount of time we spend anywhere is in our mm. careers. Yeah. So yeah. that's like 50% of our life. Probably more depending on how well yeah. you go boundaries. And even, even, yeah, that's so true. And even like once we finish high school before we even have an identity for ourselves as adults we have to actually make the decision of what are you gonna do for the rest of your life so yeah. you you have so to actually start wondering what your purpose since that age is sort of linked to and and that's stuff. unfortunately why i think a lot of times that's how we've ended up identifying that our work is pretty much our whole identity and i don't think like it was actually meant to be that way when people were asking that when we were little like you know what do you want to be they're probably just generally trying to get us to learn our purpose in life Mm. rather than just be like oh your job is everything you do but it's hard to understand that as a kid and it's hard to articulate that so i think that question has now just made it seem like your work is going to define your whole self so what are you going to do when you're older yeah exactly and i think it's kind of because like let's be honest these things just started to make sense now with a lot of like improvements because in the past everyone was just sort of focused on that like what are you going to do when you finish high school like how are you going to you know produce uh wealth and but it's more than that our job is not just to to do that so let's go into the reasons why we do work as people yeah why do people force themselves into manual labor every single day (laughs) exactly why is that we actually have to get up every day (laughs) like i'm fabulous why do i need a job yeah i'm already pretty (laughs) i'm joking you (laughs) no but why people work is pretty much it comes down to three different things one is gaining status one is intellectual stimulation and the last one is wealth not in the same order but you know you get the idea yeah totally so it's not that we are trying to say that you shouldn't actually be so passionate about what you do not at all because in reality work is just i guess a guidepost to you know achieve that um that sense of purpose of that that reason why you're here on earth like to get that fulfillment that's sort of like why you choose your job in the first place yeah like if you weren't interested in it and it didn't like align with your values you probably wouldn't be doing that yeah exactly so what we want to really emphasize on is that before choosing what you want to do for those who haven't made the decision or even for those that made the decision but are a little bit unsure or get second guessing yourselves is the first thing you want to know is know your values then you want to know and find out what your purpose is and then and then work towards how you're gonna get there So once you have your purpose, then you would have an identity, a character that's going to play this role in this movie and is going to get you 
that end goal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it sounds very philosophical again and, you know, soul searching, but that's kind of what it is. And there's a lot of studies done on this as to why this is important and how this, you know, eventually goes on to influence your life. So an interesting book I was reading is called Drive by Daniel H. Pink and that he definitely gets into the nitty gritty of this because it literally, as the book suggests, it's about drive and what makes people motivated to do what they do. So they looked into two different types of people, extrinsically motivated people and intrinsically motivated people, type X and type I. And they found that while, yes, wealth and status are motivators for some, it generally leads to like less happiness, but also um, they're not usually as successful as people that are intrinsically motivated. So these type I people are the ones who literally know what they want in the bottom of their heart (laughs) and are able to use that every day to power why they work, what they do, and irrespective of what comes their way, they're able to achieve success. And usually they've noticed eventually in life they will be much more even uh, monetarily successful than type X people. Interesting. This can be also applicable um, to other things that we might be doing. Like, for example, if you have a goal of like... um, becoming more active with exercise you actually have to understand why is that you want that being a physical sort of reward or just being active for mental health uh, purposes or just for like the longevity Um, so once you know you why then you can actually get your ass sorry off the couch and start actioning those things you know you can go to the gym go for a walk whatever it is but if you don't have a why you're just gonna attack yourself with you're a lazy person you're not doing anything because you don't actually have something that motivates you and i would say that uh, motivation is something that is not available every day for humans so there has to be something bigger than that and i love that example really good example out because literally it that is such a good segue into not segue but it really uh can be demonstrated the type x and type i think so if an extrinsic motivation is just oh i want to look good yeah. and the physical aspect of it, that's not necessarily enough as opposed to someone who looks at this as a lifestyle, as their day-to-day thing to focus on their mental health and their you know, general functionality. If they know that they, op- they work optimally because they work out, that's more of a motivator every day than someone who just wants to look a certain type of way. Yeah, also for those, I, I respect everyone's goal, by the way, but for those that uh, want to look good all the time they also have to remember that beauty is not forever and it's going to go it's the same with money like what if something happens and then you lose it all so you have to be prepared for those moments because obviously we don't want to go in identity crisis (laughs) yeah 100 percent. so definitely think about the purpose and those values in your life yeah and find out are you actually in alignment with them yeah write them down look at them every day and try to do your best to keep following them in your life yeah, because essentially work is just what we do. It's one of the multiple identities we have as a human being. And yes. otherwise, if we just make that the whole center of our lives, we're going to end up with depression, with um, we're going to be addicted to substances that are just going to help us numb the pain. And that ties really well into this quote by Anne Wilson, who states that if you tie your self-worth to your career the successes and failures that you will experience will directly affect your self-worth 
and we can see this a lot in stories where you hear about like professional athletes um such as the olympians gold medal olympians who later on when they're done with that career they don't know what else to do with themselves and i know it's a bit of an extreme example because you only have like 27 years to be competing so it is your whole life for a certain amount of time but the ability to understand your values and yourself outside of that job description Mm. allows you to basically steer yourself away from that negative mental health aspect of it and Mm. you see this a lot like with um, high performing jobs Mm. as well like lawyers and uh, in the finance industry as well that when unfortunately if the people get laid off or if something untoward happens you know injury wise or whatever then usually for example a pandemic and you get get laid off good point (laughs) forgot about the big elephant in the room the pandemic Mm. um yeah like unfortunately people there there is they lose themselves. Yeah, they, literally. And it's they really commit hard suicide to. as well. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like their self-belief just go to like negative. It's yeah. so hard. And I was listening to an interview of a rugby player that said like he celebrates everything in his life. Uh, like it's so important for him just to score a try as to just do the laundry on the day that he was doing the laundry. So he was just like by that little example, he said that it's not just the big wins that have to be celebrated. It's everything. Um, and I think we sometimes un- like underestimate how how much we do in a day just because we're so focused in, in that identity of like, yeah, I'm the best player or I'm the best engineer, I'm the best accountant. But in saying this, we don't want to dismiss or disregard anyone's feelings of emotions. Obviously, being laid off or having an injury, it's really hard. It's really hard news to take in, especially with things like yeah, they are just things that we cannot control. They are just situations that life brings us. But what we can control, as we know, is how we react to these things. So how quickly we stand up and continue going. And those are pretty much the tools that we want to provide with, to you guys. So some of these tools are boundaries, first of all, my best friends for everything, not just for <laughs> this sort of like relationship with work, but with everything. Um, when the pandemic happened, um, I feel like boundaries were something that were a little bit bled for those who work in offices. Um, we all had to work from home, and for people, we asked myself, yeah, for that example, to me as well, yeah, yeah. I I used to well, I live in an apartment, and it was a small space. Like I'm fortunate to have had an apartment even for myself. Other people were living in their rooms. You know, it was really difficult, so they had to like get up and stand up to the desk. So the physical boundary wasn't even there. So it's important to establish those physical and also mental boundaries. It's not good to overwork yourself from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. No, there has to be periods for you to have breaks and also stick to your hours of work. And if you can do your work in less hours, perfect, and communicate that to your boss as well so they keep you productive for those eight hours (laughs) and you're not wasting time. But... Yeah. yeah, and that's not to say that, you know, there's nothing that, you know, people are so passionate about that they want to keep working for long hours. That definitely happens. But I think for extended periods of time, to try to explain how these boundaries work, for extended periods of time, if you're talking to people or if you're thinking about yourself and all you can think about is, yeah, I'm going to be working, I'm working, what are you doing, I'm working, then definitely I think your boundaries have been a little bit violated and you need to start considering who are you outside of your work and start to get in touch with that again. Yeah, because that's going to be so important even for your work in in general what you do because we know a more holistic person 
who has varied um, interests, like you know, different languages, music, and stuff. They bring a lot to the workplace in mm. as a different perspective. But also, then you're more comfortable in yourself, mm. so you're able to provide more to yourself and your work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I guess it's also important to highlight that if you are working more hours than expected, then these are red flags that have to be pay attention to. Like if you're a person that is taking longer in doing a task, maybe reevaluate and be like, okay, how can I do this more efficiently? Ask your peers uh, or ask yourself whether the training that you've been giving is the right one. So as a leader, be open to, I guess, understand why other people are taking longer in whatever they are doing. It's not just the person who's doing the task's fault. Or, well, fault is a big word, but I mean, like, yeah, are we providing our teammates with, like, the right training? Or why is this taking so long? And not from a critical or, like, from a criticism point of view, because at the end of the day, we're all teammates, you know? We want the best for everybody. But it's a way, how can we help each other out? So I think it's important to, to pay attention to those red flags. To, to set up those boundaries and practice different hobbies, very important. Uh, like we talked about just before and I see that a lot at work is why I can talk about this as well because um, even though we are engineers and we do that you know for majority of our work I get to talk to a lot of people every day in the office who are like literally like into sport or into music or into like so many varied interests podcasts (laughs) (laughs) that too so that like literally and you hear that and you understand that people are so much more than what they come and sit to do at a desk every day Exactly, and good on them to work on those different things because at the end of the day, uh, imagine if we were just like focused on what we do those eight hours, like we we wouldn't be us. But definitely master your craft, even whatever you're doing in your eight hours, that's definitely, and that's where Mm. we get into like, you know, learning from your bosses if there's any more efficient way to do that because that will help you on your route to mastery. Yeah, exactly. So apart from boundaries, I feel like, yes, as you said, hobbies are really good um so focus on that if you are dreaming about work maybe you need a hobby honestly <laughs> that was the best comment really? i have once received by a co-worker wow. yeah i was like oh my god mate like i have been actually figured this out to the point that i went home and i had a dream of work and the guy was like mate you need a hobby and he's it's true like sometimes we take these things so like we over identify with solving these puzzles at work and it is nice oh yeah like you are so passionate about what you do yeah. but if it's not letting you rest at night maybe wonder if you could implement some boundaries yeah <laughs> and then number four on that list after learning your values but we've talked a lot about values so i'm sure you guys get it by now oh, yeah. so number four is get a good grounding routine so yes. that in essence is your you know your morning routine or just your gen- uh, your general routine which can involve things like meditation and yeah. walks and just things that get you out of that headspace of work, mm. but into your self. Yes, exactly. Things that ground you. Also, walks are really good. It's because of how your eyes behave when you're walking. I think like when yes, people work at computers every day, you're only using your near vision, I think it is. And so you need to like, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard this, that after like certain periods of time, like every hour or so, you mm. need to focus on looking at something very far away because mm. otherwise it's detrimental for your eye health. Mm-hmm. Bit of a health hack there. So that's why walks are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you ever feel like um, you're stressing at work, just go for a walk and make yourself feel grounded. <laughs> Important. But okay, yeah. So apart from your good grounding routine, 
uh, and learning about your values, boundaries and hobbies, we also have to focus more on knowing your why. And once you define your why, then you have it all, darling, and go and chase it. <laughs> but let's not forget how good it is to have a support network. Because sometimes, 100%. <laughs> because sometimes we can't even see these symptoms, you know. It's really important to have someone's comments or uh, opinion on the matter. And it's really good if we are supportive with each other. If a friend of yours or a co-worker of yours can pick up on how much this or like how, how big of a deal this is to you um they can come to you and say okay look um you need to spend less time at work maybe working all these crazy hours it's good because you really enjoy it but there's more y you have a life man yeah, i mean <laughs> irritable or something like someone who can like you know point out what's going on yeah and even like for people that go through the downturns of like you know losing a job or um, oh, having yeah. trouble in their personal life, your support network mm -hmm. is the most important in getting out of that situation, yeah. or you know even for your mental health. Yeah. So definitely know your support and who these people are and how they help you get going and get in touch with them. Yeah, don't be afraid of, of like being vulnerable to them, or even don't be afraid to provide good uh, feedback. You yeah. know. It's um it's not I always say like feedback in any any shape or form is very positive. Just be careful with the delivery that you that you have because that is gonna help them understand where you're coming from. If you have a really nice delivery then it's all easy. Yeah, so. but even don't take it all on board. You have to definitely think about the believability of uh, where that feedback's coming from. Like do they know you enough that what they're you're they're saying is true? But oh, yeah, yeah, that's very. Thank you for highlighting that. <laughs> but also, it's it's super important, and I think what might be a really cool exercise um, is that if you reach out to this network and ask them pretty much why they have you around, sort of thing. Like it's a bit of a vulnerable thing to do, but it would be quite useful for you to understand where your social identity currently lies. Yeah, that's so true, and that really helps you with um, identifying what your values are if you have never wondered what your values were. Um, um, I think it's a really healthy um, exercise because sometimes you can even see things that you didn't know about yourself. Like, for example, I don't know, um, in, a, in a negative aspect, maybe you weren't as uh, respectful with other people's time. So now if you want to change that about yourself, maybe just work on good habits to have to create that, I that new identity of being a punctual person. So, yeah, um, I think it's really important. But yeah, uh, apart from feedback and support, it's good to just have people around just to do other activities, you know? You don't actually just have to have people from work uh, supporting you and having your back, but also your friends from high school or from your crafty team, I don't know, you know? <laughs> uh, and like the sports you play, go out with them and have a, have a laugh and have some drinks responsibly or don't have any drinks if you don't drink. But do something that makes you happy and gets you out of your routine because that is very important that keep us grounded too even if you are a very organized person and a structured person sometimes even getting out of you that routine helps you and motivates you and gives yeah. you perspective yeah 100 percent. yeah okay that's a wrap from us <laughs> is it yeah that's it we made yeah. it to the end we made it to the <laughs> end so i guess let's just go through um Let's just summarize this because we did go into a lot of detail and because we have been recording this for 30 minutes, um, we're spitting like Spitty Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just go through it. Uh, first of all, 
we talk about what identity was and why we do what we do and how identity makes up your self-esteem and yes. how it's important to not um, over-identify your comp- your entire sense of self with the work that you do mm-hmm. because it's got negative impacts, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And the six ways that you can manage this is by, one, practicing hobbies. Yes, boundaries at work. Three, learn your values. Good grounding routine. Know your why. And your network. Absolutely, your network is key. Being your family, partners, friends anyone even your neighbor thanks neighbor so if you made it all the way to the end thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the podcast yeah thank you so much baby boys and baby girls (laughs) stem peeps i like that one (laughs) stem peeps is good 